morning, everyone. Nice to see you all and those of you at home. I'm going to talk this morning about invitations. There are three invitations that we're going to just have a look at this morning. And you know, it's lovely to get an invite, isn't it? To a wedding, to a celebration of some sort, out to dinner, afternoon tea. That's one of my weaknesses. Wherever it is, it's always nice to have an invitation. And there's anticipation attached to it because you begin to think, well, what am I going to wear? Had I better get a hair appointment? I wonder who'll be there. And then what am I going to take as a present? So there's always that anticipation as we wait for the big event to happen. All invitations have one word in common, and that word is come. Come to my wedding, come to my party, come to the theatre with me, come out to dinner. Whatever it might be, the invitation says come. And the other thing the invitation has is your name or my name. It's personal. And that's very important. So the first invitation we're going to look at today is to those who are thirsty. And the scripture is in Isaiah chapter 55, verses 1 to the first part of verse 3. Come, there's that word, come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend your money on what does, is not bread? and your labor on what does not satisfy. Listen, listen to me and eat what is good, and you will delight in the richest of fare. Give ear and come to me. Listen that you may live. Now, last week, Chris spoke about being contented with God and in God. And in this passage of scripture, Isaiah is looking for a people, looking to tell people how to be satisfied. The people there were looking to the world for security, looking to the world for happiness, looking to the world for the things that only God can give us. And they were not truly satisfied. Yes, it was momentary. Yes, it was fun while it lasted. But the point was, it didn't last. The invitation is extended to those who are thirsty and those who are broke. It's extended to those who are working and those who can afford to buy bread. So basically, everybody qualifies. But the thirst is spiritual. Spiritual thirst. An emptiness. A longing for something that nothing seems satisfy a loneliness and emptiness feeling bereft in some way shape or form doesn't cost anything so everybody can come doesn't cost anything to us the price has been paid and the result total utter and complete satisfaction what God has on the menu is good. It says, the richest affair. What does that mean? It means something that satisfies, 
In the natural, if you eat certain foods with a high fat content, it lasts you longer and you don't feel hungry so quickly. In the same way, if we come and feed on God's word, feed on our relationship with God through Christ Jesus, then our spirits are satisfied, our souls are satisfied. And the richest affair also means an abundance. God is a God of abundance. He's not stingy. He gives the best and he gives it in abundance. And we're encouraged in Psalm 34, verse 8, verse 8 to taste and see that the Lord is good. You can't enjoy food, whether it's spiritual or physical, if you don't eat it, if you don't take it in. So we have to taste it. We have to drink of that water. You know, I'm sure with your children and grandchildren, you used to play at tea parties. And you'd get this empty cup or a beaker or whatever it was, and you'd have to go, ah, that was good. And it's the same with everything. You know, God is offering us living water, but we have to drink. So we have to open our mouths and we have to receive it. In the account of Jesus meeting the woman of Samaria at the well, they have a debate about water. And Jesus tells her, the water in this well, it won't satisfy you permanently. It will quench your thirst for now. But you'll have to keep coming back and getting more. But the water I give you is living water. And it will never run out and you'll never be thirsty again. And she partakes of that living water. And her life is transformed. And she goes back to her village, and their lives are transformed. So the water that Jesus offers us is life-giving. In Psalm 63 and verse 15, David says to God, You satisfy me more than the richest of fare. So our inner contentment and satisfaction comes when we are in a relationship with God through Christ Jesus. The second invitation is to the weary. And the scripture is from Matthew 11, 28 to 30. Come to me. There's that phrase again. Come to me. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Jesus is saying, come to me, let's do a swap. You give me your burdens, I will give you my rest. That's an incredible invitation. Who could refuse that? You remember a couple of weeks ago, Hayden showed us the pictures of the donkeys. One of them bowed down with a weight of burden upon burden on his back. And then the other one, a happy donkey. Well, the choice is ours. Are we going to take Jesus at his word? Are we going to appropriate that offer to swap our burdens for his rest? Jesus is talking about rest from the burden of sin, the pressure to having to perform maybe to live up to expectations that others are putting on your life. 
rest from the weariness of an unfulfilled job, rest from religious rituals, legalistic pressures. Jesus doesn't want us to be burdened with those things. He wants us to know his rest and his peace. And Jesus is peace. It's not that he gives us peace, he is peace. And if we have a relationship with him, we can be at total and utter peace, whatever our circumstances. Jesus says, take my yoke. You know, we have to do something about it. We have to take his yoke. So I'm sure we all know that a yoke is, is a wooden um, piece of equipment, really, that goes around the neck of two oxen in order that they can work together, that they share the burden, that they can plow the field or do whatever the job is. And usually a young, inexperienced ox is yoked together with an older, more mature, stronger, more experienced ox who will lead the way, who will take the weight, and who will teach the young ox how to plough the field or whatever it is. And in our relationship with Jesus, he is that experienced, that strong, that ox who knows the way and who will lead the way and will lead us in the right direction. So Jesus is offering freedom from the heavy yoke of rule-keeping and all those other things we mentioned. And he invites us into that relationship with him, that we're bound with him because we're yoked together with him in a, to a relationship that is productive, that is fulfilling, that is purposeful, and that is satisfying. And you know, sometimes you think, oh, those poor animals, that must be sore. But the yoke that Jesus offers is specifically designed to fit the individual. So it's not going to chafe, it's not going to rub, it's not going to leave a sore on your neck. It's got your name on it. You know, when you see the heavy horses sometimes going through a, a city from the brewer's yard, they have on their chests, on their harness, their name, Prince or whatever it might be. And your name is on that yoke. It fits you perfectly. It fits me perfectly. It's designed specifically for purpose. The yoke is fit for purpose. We are fit for purpose. It's easy to bear. It's pleasant. It's good. It's comfortable. It's suitable and it's serviceable. And it's tailor-made and built on a personal relationship with God through Christ Jesus. What an amazing invitation. Come, you who are weary and burdened. I'm sure there are a lot of people out there today and in here too who feel like that. They're weary. Maybe they're weary of being in lockdown. Maybe they're weary and not sure what tomorrow's going to bring. Maybe they're weary of having to look after children at home for so long and now they're exhausted. Tell Jesus about it. Pour out your heart to him. He wants to relieve you of whatever it is that's putting pressure on you, on your heart, on your mind, pressure on your relationships, 
whatever it might be, but you have got to give it to him and take that yoke. The third invitation is a little bit different. This time, it's to somebody who is curious, and this time, Jesus isn't saying, come to me, but he's saying, I'm coming to you. And this invitation is found in Luke 19, verses 1 to 10, which I'm not going to read, but I think probably everyone has heard the story of Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was a little man. You may have heard the rhyme or sung the song in Sunday school decades ago. Now, Zacchaeus was a chief tax collector, so he wasn't the most popular guy in town. Generally, the tax collectors always exhorted more than actually the people were due to pay, and they kept the profits for themselves, so they acquired wealth at the expense of other people. So they weren't popular with the government, and they weren't popular with their, their peers. But this man, Zacchaeus, had heard about Jesus, and he was curious. And maybe there are people today who have heard about Jesus over these weeks of lockdown. Maybe you've been tuning in to services, not necessarily Gateway. Maybe you've been listening to Rob when he did the social distancing live. Maybe something has stirred in your heart and you want to know more. And you, like Zacchaeus, are curious to meet this Jesus that everybody is talking about. So when Jesus was passing through Jericho on the way to Jerusalem, Zacchaeus heard about it. But there were so many people, he had no chance of seeing Jesus. So he ran ahead of the crowd and climbed up a tree, being so short, it was the only way that he was going to get a glimpse of Jesus. And as Jesus came along, Jesus stopped right where Zacchaeus was. And he looked up and he said, Zacchaeus, come down. Now, please note, there was no introduction. Nobody had to say, Jesus, this is Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus, this is Jesus. Jesus knew him by name. Jesus knows us by name. He knows where we are. He knows the state of our hearts. He knows the longings and desires of our hearts. He knows our hurts. He knows everything about us. He knows where we are. He knows our names. Maybe he's calling you today. Come down. Come and meet with me. So Jesus looked up and he said to Zacchaeus, come down, I'm coming to your house today. So you know, Jesus was interrupting his journey because we read at the beginning of the passage, Jesus was passing through Jericho on his way to Jerusalem. And now he's saying to Zacchaeus, I'm coming to your house today. I'm remaining at your house today. So he was changing his schedule. He was breaking his journey. Jesus will always do that. Jesus has always got time for you and for me. He will always interrupt his schedule when we cry out to him. Always, always, always. And if you read through the Gospels, you will see that very often Jesus is on his way to do something and something crops up and he will stop 
He won't say, I haven't got time, or you'll have to wait, or come back tomorrow. He will stop, and he will meet with you right there, and meet that need, whatever it is. So Zacchaeus came down immediately. Well, you would, wouldn't you? And immediately, Zacchaeus said to Jesus, I will pay back that which I've taken. I will give back four times that which I've stolen from people. That was over and above what the law required for restitution. He met with Jesus and he had a changed heart. He met with Jesus and money, which had been his life, if you like, his God, suddenly didn't have any importance anymore because he'd met with the real, true and living God, Jesus Christ. His appetites changed, his values changed, and he recognized that he was a sinner, if you like, and that he needed to put his life right. And so that encounter with Jesus transformed Zacchaeus. It didn't matter that people mocked him. He was so taken up with Jesus that he responded to him there and then. We read at the end of those verses that Jesus declared, today salvation has come to this house. And then Jesus said, the Son of Man came to seek and to save those who were lost. If you like, that was part of his mission statement, and it's the same today. Jesus is here to seek and to save those who are lost. And if that's you, he's saying, come, come, come. So if you're curious, if you've been watching, if you've been wondering, if you've been pondering over these weeks, be brave, like Zacchaeus, come down. Meet with Jesus. He's ready to come to your house today. So, three invitations. One to the thirsty, one to the weary, and then one to the curious. Each one with our name on it. But there's something else on an invitation, you know. At the bottom, it usually says, RSVP. Responde, s'il vous plaît. So a response is required. What will it be? Will you harden your heart and say, not interested, I don't need this Jesus? I hope not. I hope not. I hope that you will accept the invitation and say yes to Jesus. Yes, I'm thirsty and I need that living water. Yes, I'm weary and I long to unburden myself. And I will take that yoke upon me because I need you. I need you to walk with me. I need you to show me the way. I need you to carry my burdens. Or are you, th- or are you curious? And you say, yes, I want to find out more. I might not be ready to actually jump down from the tree, but I want to know more. And if that's you, then get in touch with Stuart Get in touch with Gateway Church because somebody will pray with you. Somebody will explain the gospel to you more fully. Somebody will answer your questions. So if you're curious, please, please get in touch.
You don't need to worry about what you're going to wear to Jesus' party. He gives you a garment of salvation and he gives you a robe of righteousness. He qualifies you to come to his party. And if you accept, then one day you will be wedded to him. You know, we don't have to worry about what we're going to take to the party because all Jesus wants is you and me. It says in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. We haven't got to prove ourselves, we haven't got to do good works. We've just got to come in faith and say yes to Jesus. The other thing that's often at the, or always at the end of an invitation is reply by a certain date. Well, there's no date on this invitation from Jesus, but there is a time limit. And we can run out of time. While we have breath in our bodies, we have the opportunity to do business with God. But when that day comes, when we breathe our last, it's too late. So, especially in these days where we don't know what tomorrow holds, more than ever before perhaps, we don't know what's around the corner. Don't leave it too late. Don't say, well, I'll enjoy myself now and I'll do it when I'm older or I'll do it next week or I'll do it next year. I'll do it when I've finished university. I'll do it when I've got married. I'll do it when the children have left home. No, 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 no. There is a time limit, and we don't know what tomorrow holds. So I would say to you, if you're curious, if you're thirsty, if you're weary, come to Jesus. He's saying to you, come to me. Come, say yes, accept the invitation. Accept Jesus' invitation. So we're going to close the service with a final song.